guys this is just going to be a quick unscripted video of me walking through the prophecy section of the book of Daniel as we are going to uh, go through the Olivet Discourse uh, through the synoptics on my channel I just want to do a quick overview of the prophecies specifically because one of the Gospels explicitly uh, refers to the book of Daniel as being fulfilled in Jesus lifetime and also there's some other histories that we're going to cover concerning Judas Maccabees um, as well when we covered the Olivet Discourse. So the brunt of the prophecies will be exegeted and talked through in the Olivet Discourse, which will be a long video. But I also wanted to do this other video um, concerning chapters 7 through 12 and kind of a quick overview um, so this video is basically just going to be me reading it and then interpreting the main section so that you really have a feel for the prophecies that uh, the New Testament disciples would have been looking for and seeing Jesus as fulfilling uh, so you can better understand the Jewish worldview. Um, so with that being said, uh, Daniel in uh, chapter 1 through 6 tells from the time he was captured and castrated and him and um, three other believers were uh, renamed and were educated extensively for three years. Uh, these were handsome men. There was no blemish on them. They were well-educated, trained up in every everything um, to be educated in uh, for a person of Babylon at the time. And then eventually Daniel, through um, interpreting a dream, that uh, none other could, no magicians, no wise men of the other religions, uh, Daniel seeking the face of Yahweh, his God, uh, rightly interprets the dreams and shares what the dream was in the first place because the king also wanted to know what the dream was because he couldn't remember it himself, his own dream. So Daniel reveals these things from God. Um, he is exalted really multiple times in his life um, in three different kingdoms. And he's known as a wise man. And so with chapter 7, we pick up a series of visions that Daniel experiences at various times and, and in various places. So what I want to say about these is you have to be careful, and I, I've been studying the book of Daniel nonstop these past two weeks, but Daniel chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11, they're not uh, chronologically placed. Um, God isn't revealing um, to him chronologically this time period, um, but rather God is in some ways telling him of uh, multiple events and in some ways is um, for at least one of the things saying the same event but describing different aspects of it, um, different details of it. Um, so he's going to go on to predict the uh, rebuilding of the temple, the destruction of the temple, or I should say the desolating of that temple. And then also the uh, reconsecrating of that temple. And then uh, again, um, the uh, final destruction of that temple uh, that's rebuilt. And in the time of Daniel, you need to understand that the temple was destroyed um, from, the, from the exile um, into Babylon in result of uh, really God ultimately fulfilling his, his promises, his covenant promises in the book of Leviticus. And to give you a broad uh, Old Testament Torah overview, God always tells his Israelites, if you follow me, obey me, I will bless you. Um, you know, there will be nothing but prosperity for you. 
And likewise, in the Old Testament covenant, uh, God promised that if they walked away from him or were walking in sin, he would curse them and, and treat them like um, he wasn't even that they weren't even his people. So in keeping God's covenant promises with Leviticus and really the majority of the Old Testament, but all of the Torah, um, God has exiled them um, because they failed to keep the jubilee, the, the resting of the land at every seventh year. And so God sends them into exile for uh, some time so that the land gets its Sabbath rest. And uh, they're exiled for 70 years. This is also spoken of in Jeremiah. But we'll just jump through this and we'll talk through some of these um, visions and explain them from a broad perspective. I may not explain every single detail, but I'm going to give you the gist of the summary of exactly what's being talked about. But I just wanted to give you some background of where this is being spoken of, what's going on, uh, so that you would now know that. So in chapter 7, verse 1, it says, In the first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon, Daniel had a dream filled with visions while he was lying on his bed. Um, then he wrote down the dream in summary fashion. So again, this is how God spoke to his people, his prophets. In, uh, in the Old Testament covenant, Old Testament period, uh, God can still speak this way in the New Testament covenant, um, but was predominantly the way he spoke. Now he mainly speaks through Christ, and the Holy Spirit still can speak to us this way, but not not necessarily um, in the sense that you know all of these prophecies, for the most part, have been uh, fulfilled. So we'll talk, we'll talk about that. But anyways, that's the purpose of a, a dream. So he was sleeping, but it was also a vision from God. Daniel explained, I was watching in my vision during the night as the four winds of the sky were stirring up the great sea. Then four large beasts came up from the sea. They were different from one another. And so I'm just going to read this. The angel will then really, quite frankly, interpret it for us and I'll add any commentary for clarity. The first one was like a lion. So we got four beasts. Remember four beasts. Um, I'll try to point out the things that you need to explicitly remember. So four beasts coming from the sea. Uh, the first one was like a lion with uh, eagle's wings. It says, as I watched, its wings were pulled off and it was lifted up from the ground. It was made to stand on two feet like a human being and a human mind was given to it. Um, this uh, study note says the identity of the first animal derived from verse 17 in the parallels in chapter 2 is Babylon. Because uh, Daniel does have a dream back in chapter 2, which is his interpretation of the king's dream. Um, which is this very uh, same concept with uh, a golden head. Uh, I believe it's um, iron and some, no, iron's the, the shins. It's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm doing this from memory. It's um, a gold head, like a silver chest and arms, a copper uh, belly, and then um, so on and so forth. But it's also the same thing, these four different kingdoms being represented um, in uh, the king of Babylon's initial dream that we see in chapter 2. Uh, it says the reference to its plucking of its wings is probably a reference to the time of Nebuchadnezzar's insanity. Um, the latter part of chapter, or excuse me, verse 4 describes the restoration of Nebuchadnezzar. So um, again, this is explicitly taught uh, in chapter 2 as well, I, I need to mention. So as we're going to see, um, this first beast that's mentioned, the lion with eagle's wings, this is representative of the Babylonian Empire. 
Um, so these prophecies, I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. They mainly speak to four empires, um, of which we'll discuss all of them. And from us, uh, this was written around uh, maybe 500 BC, somewhere in that ballpark, give or take a few hundred years. Um, many of these things have yet to come to pass in Daniel's life. So we get a certain perspective um, from Daniel's interpretation from the book of Revelation, which many of these things are overlapping. We get another uh, perspective because all of these kingdoms have come to place. Uh, The last one being the Roman Empire, um, which we'll see here in this text, but Revelation clearly speaks to that. So, um, This is the first empire, this beast, and they'll explain it, but I just want to go ahead and tell you that, and I'll tell you with each one so that you're tracking with me. Um, So a lion with eagle's wings, this is the Babylonian empire, a human mind was given to it, Uh, chapter 7, verse 5, then a second beast appeared, so this is the the empire that is to rise up after, um, like a bear, it was raised up on one side, and there were three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and devour much flesh. So if I'm looking down, also I've got some notes here for my podcasters. You don't have to worry about that. But um, for the bear, um, so the eagle with wings is the Babylonian Empire. Um, Also, uh, there's the bear, which is the next kingdom. And uh, it rises up on one side. That's because the kingdom of... Uh, Media and Persia arose in the east. So I'm uh, speaking of its origins. Um, the three ribs, uh, symbolically, that you see in the bear's mouth, uh, many uh, scholars and commentators would see those as Medes, um, the Assyrians, and the Babylonians. Um, those uh, are often identified with uh, Lydia, Babylon, and Egypt, all which were conquered and reduced to a single realm by the Persians under Cyrus and his son, uh, Cambyses. And um, so the the bear is the next empire kingdom to come about, which devours um, those three and really causes it to come into one being, um, which is that second empire. And then um, chapter 7, verse 6, After these things, as I was watching, another beast like a leopard appeared, with four bird-like wings on its back, this beast had four heads, um, and ruling authority was given to it. Um, again, I just want to read this study note. If the third animal is Greece, which is I would wholeheartedly agree with that, just about everyone would, um, the most likely identification of these four heads is the fourfold division of the empire of Alexander the Great following um, his death. And again, in Daniel chapter 8, this is going to be spoken to um, to this, this same truth, this same historical narrative, but from a different vision, a, a different um, perspective. But what I want you to see with this leopard with four bird-like wings, um, four heads, um, if we look into history, we see that Alexander the Great, um, which Daniel chapter 8 will go on to uh, describe him, I believe, specifically Alexander the Great, if not Greece itself, as a um, as a ram, I believe. Um, but anyways, the thing that I'm bringing up is that its feet never touch the floor because if you read um, history, Alexander the Great conquered fast and he conquered vastly and he, he died young in his early 30s. Um, and so what happened is that the might, that uh, the power, the strength um, that Alexander the Great 
manifested and had in his in himself uh, was not able to be matched. And so after his death, there were four kings, four rulers that took up um, a fourth or a chunk of Alexander the Great's ruling. So um, that's what that is explaining there. So those four heads are his uh, four generals, if you will. And again, Daniel chapter 8 is going to give um, us another vision and another interpretation that's also speaking towards this history, but uh, with different truths and different realities. Um, it says in verse 7, After these things, as I was watching, of course, this is Daniel in the night visions, a fourth beast appeared, um, one dreadful, terrible, and very strong. This is the strongest of the four beasts that we're going to see in apocalyptic literature. Uh, we see this um, in Revelation as well. This fourth and final beast is the Roman Empire, uh, famous in history. So it goes on to say in verse 7, it had two large rows of iron teeth. It devoured and crushed, and anything that was left, it trampled with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that came before it, and it had ten horns. Revelation likewise speaks to these ten horns, uh, which is of the kings, and um, also as it speaks of trampling everything under its feet, the Roman Empire, in a, in a very real sense, conquered the known world um, and, and instituted the Pax Romana, the, the Roman peace. Um, so this fourth beast, so the first beast, to recap, you have um, an eagle with wings. This is Babylon or the Babylonian Empire. Uh, the second one, uh, if I can uh, remember all of these, the second empire is what some would call Persia. And uh, then Persia is conquered by um, what is known as uh, Greece or the Greek Empire. And these three uh, sections of geography are, are merged into one. And then eventually the Roman Empire goes on to conquer the uh, Greek Empire. Some even call it the Greco-Roman period or the Greco-Roman Empire because uh, really Greece and Rome, uh, Rome and very much uh, built was stood on the shoulders or on the back of Greece. And so many customs, laws, um, arts, culture, literature, these things carried over in a very strong way into Roman uh, rule and reign. So goes on to say in verse 8 of chapter 7 of Daniel, As I was contemplating the horns, another horn, a small one, came up uh, between them, and three of the former horns were torn out by the roots to make room for it. This horn had eyes resembling human eyes and a mouth speaking arrogant things. So this little horn that is to rise up through the three horns, we also see this in Revelation is what's known as the Antichrist. And this is to take place within the Roman Empire. That's what this prophecy is regarding. So we need to rightly interpret Scripture within its context. And in Daniel's context, which the angel is going to go on to explain all these things, um, and, and we'll see it more clearly as we from um, the 21st century American, we can look back into history and see all these things very, very clearly. Um, but that uh, third, the little horn that is to rise up and uh, speak blasphemies and be arrogant that uproots the previous three horns, um, this is what may be called the Antichrist, uh, but this is um, to take place within the Roman Empire, the final beast, um, which has the iron teeth. Uh, 
Um, and it goes on to say, um, chapter 7, verse 9, while I was watching, thrones were set up. So this is taking place uh, somewhere around that time, which the text will go on to tell us. While I was watching, thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his seat. So the Ancient of Days is usually interpreted uh, possibly as the Ancient One, but this is usually in tandem with uh, the Father. Um, so as Trinitarian Christians, we believe that the that God is one, um, but uh, it is uh, uh, three persons, but one God. And so um, the uh, amongst the Godhead, we have the Father and, um, and also the Son and also the Spirit. So the Ancient of Days took his seat. His attire was white like snow. The hair of his head was like a lamb's wool. His throne was ablaze with fire and its wheels were all aflame. A river of fire was streaming forth and proceeding from his presence. Many thousands were ministering to him. Many tens of thousands stood ready to serve him. The court convened and the books were opened. And so this speaks of the Ancient of Days taking um, his seat. And this is significant because we have the same recording in Revelation. We have the more fuller thing taking place. So again, this is happening uh, right after the Babylonian exile of the people of God, the Israelites. And uh, this is uh, close to 500 years before um, the first century. So um, all of these things are future events that are to take place. And so one of the things that Daniel sees is the Ancient of Days, uh, his God, um, to take up throne and to rule with thousands. And verse 10 says, many tens of thousands uh, ministering to him, ready to serve him, worshiping him. The books being opened, I won't get into the explanation of the book, uh, the various books. Um, there's the Lamb's Book of Life, uh, which is spoken of in Revelation. Um, Psalm 139 speaks of a book that... Uh, Every single one of our days um, and their purposes are listed uh, before God. And so I don't know that there's literal books in heaven, but it's to speak to, maybe there is, but but to, to speak to um, the, the knowledge of God before uh, himself concerning the affairs of mankind. So uh, these the courts convene this heavenly court to judge the world that is going on. This is the... Um, Deuteronomy 32 worldview where, where God is at work um, with those um, angelic type beings, those uh, heavenly beings that help rule and reign on the earth, uh, which we also see in the book of Daniel quite clearly where the angel is sent to him, but he's held up by the prince of Persia. So the Deuteronomy 32 worldview is that there's certain angelic type beings that rule and reign over parts of the earth because God has given that ruling and reigning over to them. And as we see, I believe it's in Psalm uh, 81 and Psalm 82, uh, we see that at times they rule falsely and cause um, humankind to go after false gods. And God actually is going to judge not only human beings, but also angelic type beings uh, for rebellion um, in his proper time. So with all that being said, we'll, we'll keep going through verse 11. Uh, it says, then I kept on watching because of the arrogant words of the horn that was speaking. I was watching until the beast was killed 
and its body destroyed and thrown into the flaming fire. Again, all this is symbolic, but we know that that fourth beast is the Roman Empire. As for the rest of the beasts, their ruling authority had already been removed, though they were permitted to go on living for a time and a season. And I was watching in the night vision. So Daniel lived in a unique time period where he was seeing the collapse of that first Babylonian empire, the one that tried to throw him and his uh, three friends into the fiery um, fiery furnace. And likewise, as we know the famous story uh, where we get the phrase, the writing on the wall, the wall, where we see um, that ancient writing where this mysterious hand writes on the wall, the judgment uh, proclaimed over the son of that first king um, in which um, he is removed. And so uh, Daniel is living in this transitory period where he's, he's really under that first empire and also in a sense is in the transitioning period point for the second empire. So this is a really interesting time period he lived in. And it goes on to say, verse 13, I was watching in the night visions. Um, anyways, I explained all that, sorry, um, because it the, the text says in verse 12, their ruling authority had already been removed, though they were permitted to go on living for a time and a season. So what it's saying in the vision is that each and every one of these kingdoms, they have a time and a season, a purpose and and uh, that's already determined by God, but Daniel's not given all that information. Anyways, verse 13, we pick up, I was watching in the night visions um, and with the clouds of the sky and, and one like a son of man uh, or one like a human being was approaching. He went up to the ancient of days and was escorted before him. Guys, we see this explicitly fulfilled in Revelation. This is speaking of um, the ascension of Christ um, after he has um, conquered death, hell, uh, the grave. He's conquered Satan, and he has ushered in the kingdom of God, and he has ascended into heaven to sit and to rule and reign at the right hand of the Father. So while Daniel doesn't know all these things explicitly, we do because we have the New Testament. We have the more full revelation, as Hebrews tells us. So. Um, with the clouds of the sky, one like a son of man was approaching. He went up to the Ancient of Days. This is explicitly spoken of in another vision in the book of Revelation and was escorted before him. So this took place uh, close to 2,000 years ago. To him was given ruling authority, honor, and sovereignty. Again, one of the first things Jesus says when he starts preaching, matter of fact, the summary of his, his first sermon is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Depending on your translation, repent because the kingdom of God is now here. And Jesus gives us various parables to describe the kingdom of God. But he starts off as him being the one sent to instigate and begin the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom has begun with Christ and with his ascension, his resurrection um, his rule and his reign begins as he tells the disciples in the Great Commission, go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, um, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Um, and lo, uh, I'm with you always to the end of the age. But Jesus does say in the Great Commission, right before he ascends into heaven, that all authority under heaven and under on uh, earth uh, has been given to him. So Jesus picks up this rule and this reign here. Um, and that's what it's speaking of. Verse 14, to him was giving, uh, given ruling authority, honor, and sovereignty. 
all peoples, nations, and language groups were serving him. His authority is eternal and will not pass away. Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Quite literally, he is the king that his reign never ends. Well, these empires, although vast in our eyes, are just like another beast uh, that is slain in the eyes of God. So his authority is eternal and will not pass away. His kingdom will not be destroyed. But these other kingdoms, in contrast, are destroyed. Verse uh, 15, chapter 7. As for me, Daniel, my spirit uh, was distressed and the visions of my mind were alarming me. I approached one of those standing nearby and asked him about the meaning of all this. So he spoke with me and revealed to me the interpretation of the vision. These large beasts, which are four in number, represent four kings who arise from the earth. The holy ones of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will take possession of the kingdom forever and ever. So what verse 18 is is speaking to the holy ones, um, let's see what they have for this translator's note. This is a study note. The expression holy ones is either reference to angels, right? Which is what I was wondering. Angels are human beings. Usually holy ones, it could mean either. It's a reference. That's all this note says to angels or to human beings. Um, clearly, this is a reference to human beings. The reason for that is because it says this, the holy ones of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will take possession of the kingdom forever and ever. Who takes the possession of the kingdom? Well, Christians do in the New Age. Christians, um, and don't confuse New Age with the false religion of New Age, but the New Age, um, not the Jewish age, but the Gentile age, the, the New Age of Christian believers uh, receive the kingdom. The kingdom is preached from, from the very day that Jesus begins his ministry. And so um, it says they will take possession of the kingdom forever and ever. Um, if you've been following my series on Mark, which is the first gospel I've been going through and almost finished with, um, we see from the very beginning, it's about the uh, instigation of the kingdom of God, the beginning of the kingdom of God. And so they receive the kingdom um, after this fourth beast. There's an eternal kingdom that is set up on the earth. Verse 19 says, Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others. As we saw in the vision, uh, this fourth beast is most ferocious and it it, uh, is most violent and it covers the entire world. And this is unique to the Roman Empire, which was different from all the others. It was very dreadful with two rows of iron teeth and bronze claws, and it devoured, crushed and trampled anything that was left with its feet. I also wanted to know the meaning of the ten horns on its head and of that uh, other horn which came up before which three others fell. This was the horn that had eyes and a mouth speaking arrogant things whose appearance was more formidable than the others. While I was watching, the horn began to wage war against the holy ones and was defeating them. So, the holy ones, as we've already established, is the people of God, namely the people of God that have inherited the kingdom of God, which we know are Christians. So the, the one waging war, uh, this little horn is the Antichrist. So this Antichrist that is to arise from the Roman Empire, as clearly is uh, interpreted by an angel, uh, according to Daniel, um, this uh, Roman emperor uh, king 
is to wage war against Christians. And it says um, against holy ones and was defeating them until the ancient of days arrived and judgment was rendered in favor of the holy ones of the Most High. Then the time came for the holy ones to take possession of the kingdom. So uh, we know from the life and ministry of Jesus that uh, as we'll go on to see in these various uh, chapters of Daniel, we know that um, this kingdom was given over to the people of God, the Christians, and that um, they took possession of the kingdom in the sense of what I think uh, chapter 7 verse 22 is speaking of is that uh, the Christians are to be persecuted um, for a, a short amount of time um, under this little horn, this Antichrist. And then um, after a little bit of time, this ancient uh, of days, who is God, uh, who is Christ, arrives and judgment was rendered. So after a short time period of judgment against the Christians, um, God intervenes and he judges that little horn. He judges that Roman Empire, uh, who is Nero, who is um, the Antichrist. And so in favor of the Holy Ones of the Most High, so the Christians, uh, while God permits a short period of time for their destruction, for their um, being put to death, as is recorded in history, um, ultimately God judges that Roman Empire, and he judges, uh, of course, the city Jerusalem in 70 AD. Um, Then the time came for the Holy Ones to take the possession of the kingdom. This again, I believe, is when um, that dream is spoken of and that revelation is given in the book of Revelation um, where the people of God are given warning to flee the wrath to come. And they're given this warning to abandon the city, abandon the temple. Um, and we'll go on to explain these things uh, further in the, the uh, various chapters of Daniel. But uh, I just want to give you some commentary on that verse uh, 22. Verse 23, this is what he told me. The fourth beast means that there will be a fourth kingdom on earth that will differ from all the other kingdoms. It will devour all the earth and it will trample and crush it. Again, this is the Roman Empire, the only fourth uh, worldwide empire to uh, ever exist in this sense. It says the ten horns, he's explaining all these things, mean that ten kings will arise from that kingdom. So the ten horns, uh, both here in Daniel, and we also see this in Revelation, uh, the ten horns are ten kings. This is the angelic interpretation that we have recorded in sacred scripture. The ten horns means that ten kings will arise from that kingdom. We've already established it's the fourth kingdom, it's the Roman Empire. Um, Another king will arise after them, after these ten kings, but he will be different from the earlier ones. He will humiliate uh, three kings, Um, And that's the end of verse 24. So in verse 25, it goes on to say, he will speak words against the Most High, this little horn, um, who's from the Roman Empire, who um, humiliates the three kings. He will harass the holy ones. Again, we've established this is Christians of the Most High continually. So he is going to be a hampering to the Christians. Again, we see this clearly in history with um, the Roman Emperor Nero. His intention will be to change times established by law. Again, they were were doing away with uh, the Jewish way of life. Um, They were wreaking havoc 
um, on the Jewish faith. Uh, it says they will be delivered into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. There's a helpful translator's note on concerning the word times, or excuse me, study note. Although the word times is vocalized in uh, the Masoretic text as a plural, it probably should be regarded as a dual. The Masoretes uh, may have been influenced here by the fact that in late Aramaic, um, in Syriac, the dual forms fall out of use. The meaning would thus be three and a half times. Everyone agrees that this uh, tribulation period is a time, times, and half time. So one time, two times, which is told three times and a half time. So three and a half or three and a half years, to put it bluntly, if I lost you there. Sorry about that. Um, so the holy ones, the Christians, um, are delivered into his hand. Who is his hand? Well, it's this one horn from the last beast, which is the Antichrist or the, um, the king of the last empire, which is the Roman Empire. So the Christians will be turned over to the ruler of the Roman Empire uh, for three and a half years, to translate this for you quite simply, according to Daniel and the angel's interpretation. But the court will convene, and his ruling authority will be removed, destroyed, and abolished forever. Okay, so this this Antichrist, this final um, king of the final beast, uh, will be, um, I should say, the king of the final beast, will be ultimately destroyed and abolished. And the text says forever, according to the angel's interpretation. It says in verse 27, and this is key, you need to get this. Then the kingdom, authority, and greatness of the kingdoms under all of heaven, so all the pre preceding kingdoms, these four beasts, will be delivered to the people of the holy ones of the most high to the christians the kingdom will be given over to the christians we see this taught from the very first sermon with jesus his kingdom right speaking of christ is an eternal kingdom all authorities will serve and obey him so what they're saying is that through this uh, fourth beast there will arise um, a new kingdom from God, and it will be established forever. This is the Christian uh, generation, the Christian age. Verse 28 says, This is the conclusion of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts troubled me greatly, and the color drained from my face, but I kept the matter to myself. Boy, what a burden to bear. Um, so I'll stop this video here, and then I'll pick right up with uh, Daniel chapter 8. And uh, we'll probably throw all these videos into the Mark series, or at least link them in some way.